Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona. And the world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweeds Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit the Weeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. Get your bombs ready. 220, baby. 220. <laughs> oh, for the besties, it's May 19th out there. I can't even believe it. May 19th. We're done in May. Holy Toledo. And for the other besties, we've got a birthday coming up. Happy birthday to Yeah, party it up. Let's see. I think it's on a Saturday. Ooh, that's a good time right there. Better have a good time. All right, Wednesday, Wednesday, May 19th. Let's do this. Ooh, all right, lots of fun stuff today. Welcome to the show. Let's see what we got going on here. Grand Island out there today. Come on, Grand Island, wake up. I mean, that's lunchtime out there already. Come on, guys. What's <laughs> up, Tomato soup. What's the weather out in Grand Island? Who knows? All right. 75 in Buffalo. Whoa! Yeah, it's a beach. You didn't know we all had. <laughs> Welcome to the island. All right. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. 75, and we're 75 as well. Yeah, kind of, it was nice on my little walk out there today. And that's right, you heard it right, 220 days until Well, welcome to Weed Day Wednesday. Lots of fun information to share. I saw a post that said, <laughs> uh, if you had to talk about something, you know, and, you know, if you unexpectedly had to talk about something for 30 minutes, could, could you do it? What would it be? And it was just like, weed. <laughs> I mean, hello. You guys give me a whole hour every week and I'm saying that one. <laughs> Lots to talk about. I think Alabama went crazy and legalized. Didn't Alabama do something good like that? They got some medical going on. Alabama. Oklahoma. No, Alabama. All right. There they are. There's Grand Island. Y'all made it. Welcome to the show. All right. Let's give some shout out to Tumbleweeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come on down and get certified. We've got a special going on, $299, and that includes everything. Yep. State fee, doctor fee, evaluation fee if you don't have records, processing fee, and if you're on food stamps, it's $75 less than that. Ooh, yeah, which is what? Cheap. <laughs> Two, what? Two twenty? I don't know. Two twenty-four? Something like that. Anyway, it's a good deal. Just come on down and tell me what we Do something. It's still in there. No, no one's paying attention to me because we're open, you know. But it's we're one of the <laughs> one of 53 states that is now legalized. Right? Yeah. All right. Kids are like, what, what are they teaching? <laughs> We're not teaching anything out here except cannabis. All right. So thanks a lot for Tumbleweed to, and Studio C for hosting the show each and every week. If you want to know 
uh, what you can get certified for. And we do telemedicine, so you don't have to go anywhere but where you are. Uh, and you can check out the certification section. And uh, the conditions are PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain. That includes everything, fibromyalgia, DDD, RA, migraines, IBS, all sorts of just, yeah, any chronic pain just has to be chronic. And I think literally the state says 60 days. Some doctors say 90 days. Um, seizures, including epilepsy, all types of seizures. HIV, Hep C, ALS, Crohn's disease, agitation of Alzheimer's, which we know runs the gamut all the way to dementia, 29 different types of uh, Alzheimer, I think, that we learned one time. Uh, cachexia or wasting syndrome, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis. And you can also get your card if, if and you're getting treated for something that's not on the list, but it's causing you something that's on the list. That's how you do it. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can email thctucson at gmail.com. You can check out the website, tumbleweedshealthcenter.com, and there's all sorts of places you can get in contact with us. Um, let's see, what else is going on? Oh, let's give a shout-out to Grower's House, 3635 East 34th Street. Get on down. You can actually, uh, and that's there in Tucson, although some people say Tucson. <laughs> Especially when you're talking, having people sit for it. Oh, Tuxin. Yep, that's it. That's us, Tuxin. Um, yeah, you can also go to growershouse.com, and they've got all sorts of great groovy specials on everything. Lights, tents, fans, you name it, they got it. Soils, vitamins, all that good stuff. Um, also, I want to give a shout-out to Canada Health Online Digital Magazine. You don't have to go anywhere but where you are to catch the news from them. Canna Health is a digital magazine focused on knowledge, safe access, and advocacy with a monthly subscription readership. It's loaded with scientific and clinical articles from various healthcare professionals, profiles of cannabis clinics offering safe access to medicines, national and local organizations open to the public, and real-life patient success stories. It's free to subscribe, so don't miss another issue of Canna Health. Awesome sauce. Don't miss it. Um, they've got all sorts of great information in there. So check them out. All right. So what do we want to do today? Anything we want. <laughs> I can help myself. We've got Hempathy to read, which we love. We haven't read in 10 years, and now it's 10 years old. So <laughs> the information is slightly outdated, but the meaning is the same. I mean, am I right? Am I right? Can I get a whoop, whoop? Yep. Got it. There it is. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> I had to give it to myself. <laughs> Everyone in the green room has it. All right. So, empathy. So, here it is. In case you've missed this, you're listening to Weekday Wednesday. We're, we're reading from um, a book called Empathy, Food for Thought. A look at the irrationality of modern society in regards to cannabis consumption. Seriously, empathy, food for thought is an attempt to show at a glance the illogical distinction between what is socially and legally accepted, the why, and what's forbidden, the why not. Scientists and doctors are making wonderful discoveries about how cannabis exerts its beneficial effects, and we need to publicize their findings in an unbiased way to the widest possible audience. We need to stop the obstruction of research and the criminalization of a useful plant. Amen. Like cannabis, this information is meant to be shared. www.y-whynot.net. You can probably read along with me. We haven't checked this. We haven't checked that out in a while, have we? The website. Ooh, ooh. Let's check it out. Um, okay. Why? Why is my bag of M&M's candy wrapped into? Because you're using it as a marker. Why? Unrealistic research on animals. 
And so here's the picture. I'm going to set up the theme for you all because the book's not a book unless it's got pictures. <laughs> okay. Sorry, guys. Say, say. What? Unrealistic research on animals. The inhumane LD50 test to determine lethal dose, dose was developed in 1927. Holy cow. And it's still in use today. 1920. Do you know what they were doing back in 1920? I don't even want to say. I'm not going to say. Groups of animals are dosed with different amounts of test substance in order to determine the dose which kills half of them. Uh, the LD50 test involves huge doses that are completely unrelated to your realistic exposure level. Other tests that apply lower doses to fewer animals have been developed, yet the cruel LD50 is still employed by regulatory authorities. Now, I wonder we should have a research and development team looking that up to see if the LD50 is still in use today. The quote, therapeutic ratio quote of a drug compares its medically effective dose to its lethal dose. Come on. Research shows that a human being would have to smoke 1,500 pounds of cannabis within 14 minutes to ingest a lethal dose. dose. Its therapeutic ratio is estimated at 1,000 to 1. The therapeutic ratio of alcohol, 10 to 1. Cocaine, 15 to 1. Heroin, 6 to 1. And Tylenol is 2 to 1. What? And I don't even think you would die from cannabis. You'd probably die from the carcinogens you're smoking in your freaking 1,500 pounds worth of it in 14 minutes. And you know someone out there is like, I'll take the challenge. Well, I think I saw in High Times the other day that someone was... Someone had ingested like 12,000 grams or milligrams of THC. Oh, who knows? <laughs> All right, why not? Now, on this page, um, oh, I forgot to set the scene, didn't I, on the, on the last page? You had all sorts of rats in boxes numbered one, two, three. One of them didn't look like it made it. They're sticking THC in one of their heads, which is not nice. And some are hanging upside down. Some are in bottles. Some are... Oh, getting force-fed liquid THC. This is just bad. That's a bad, bad picture. I guess that's why they want you to see the harshness of it all. That's really not all right. I don't even like looking at that. Oh, and then there's a little rat in the back of a cage going, oh, crap, I'm next. All right, and then why not (laughs) cannabis research on humans? Yay. I'll go for that. I'll go for cannabis research on humans. We can do that. We can definitely do that. So Apple, I want to know why. I've got my Apple Watch silence. It's on airplane mode and I'm still getting messages. Like, it just doesn't work. What's what's going on? Apple. <laughs> okay, so now on this page, in this picture, you've got all these humans. They're smoking dope. They're uh, vaping. This guy's happily sleeping. This one guy's taking um, uh, edibles. Uh, and they're all talking to doctors and nurses, and uh, they're just chilling. They're hugging each other. They're happy. Although this guy looks a little paranoid. Looks like he got a little too much sativa. And that's what we say, man. And that'll do ya. Watch the sativa if you're already prone to like, you know, just a little anxiety. All right, cannabis research on humans. Yeah, why not? Let's do this. <laughs> Matt, um, multi. Uh, Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. All right. I like maps already. It's currently seeking regulatory approval to conduct a study of smoke and or vape marijuana for symptoms of PTSD and veterans of war. MAPS is currently the only organization working to demonstrate the safety and efficacy of botanical marijuana as a prescription medicine for specific uh, medical uses to the satisfaction of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Like I said, now this is 10 years old. This information is 10 years old, but, you know, we want you to do some research because <laughs> we didn't do it. <laughs> so bad. Where's the joke thing? Yeah, I love it. All right. Um MAPS efforts to uh, initiate medical marijuana research have been hindered by the National Institute of Drug Abuse, NIDA, and the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, since its inception in 1986. 
NIDA's monopoly on the supply of marijuana for research and the DEA's refusal to allow research to grow their own has effectively paralyzed medical marijuana research for over 10 years. So now that'd be 20 years. <laughs> um, MAPS has been involved in legal struggles against the DEA to end that situation. All right. Oh, i say that too. Oh, okay. All right. Um, here's a little tip. Uh, tidbit of information for you right now. Note. Here's the note in red notes. The U.S. government classifies marijuana as a Schedule One drug. That we can safely say is still true. Still Schedule One. Uh, because it supposedly meets the following criteria. Now, um, this is this is still in this is still in effect today. Some of these this other information needs to probably be updated a little bit in numbers. Um, Okay, A, the drug or other substance has a high potential for abuse. All right, yeah, they might abuse eating, you know, Doritos when they're young. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, the drug or other substance has no currently accepted medical use and treatment in the United States. Well, we know that's not true because, you know, like we said earlier, 53 states have now <laughs> adopted some sort of Medical marijuana policy. No, there are quite a few. Uh, and C, there's a lack of accepted safety for use of the drug or substance under medical supervision. Um, and that's not true either. Marijuana is one of the safest um, botanicals you can take on the planet. Stop that for that. So, all right, so we got why. Because, and seriously, physiologically, there's no... Uh, there's no information in your body that says to it, hey, man, we've had too much weed. Let's just kill over because you don't want to, you know, be here anymore. So, no, it's never going to happen. You're not going to stop breathing. You're not going to just get, you might take a nap for a while. I mean, then that's like, that's a good side effect. That's what everybody wants to relax. You want to get some sleep finally. Get rid of some pain, you know. Um, all right. Why? The shutdown of federal compassionate cannabis program. Why? Why would you do that? So in the picture, <laughs> not funny. You got an old man who uh, just sitting with the, he's got a little joint. Well, he did have it. And the DEA comes rushing in with their bulletproof vests and their guns drawn in his face. And now the joint's flying out of his mouth. And so is the lighter. And uh, he's looking extremely scared. Um, why the shutdown of federal compassionate cannabis program? The U.S. government's Quote, Compassionate Investigative New Drug IND Program, quote, began in 1978 in response to a lawsuit brought by glaucoma sufferer Robert Randall, who used the common law doctrine of necessity to defend himself against marijuana cultivation charges. The settlement in Randall v. U.S. became the legal basis for the government's IND program, which had accepted about 30 patients when President George W. Bush closed it in 1992, after AIDS patients began applying in large numbers, so much for compassion. Well, scientific research shows differently. In 2002 review, oh, a 2002 review of medical literature by uh, Franjo Rottenherman states that uh, medical cannabis has established effects in the treatment of nausea, vomiting, premenstrual syndrome, unintentional weight loss, insomnia. And lack of appetite. Other relatively well-confirmed effects were in the treatment of spasticity, pain, uh, painful conditions, especially neurogenic pain, uh, movement disorders, asthma, and glaucoma. Uh, cannabis-based drugs could prove useful in treating inflammatory bowel disease, migraines, fibromyalgia, and related conditions as an antispasmodic, uh, muscle relaxant, and appetite stimulant. It relieves symptoms of multiple sclerosis, and spinal cord injuries. Other conditions for which cannabis provides documented relief include alcohol abuse, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, uh, collagen-induced arthritis, asthma, uh, atherosclerosis, bipolar disorder, um, colorectal cancer, depression, dystonia, epilepsy, digestive diseases, gliomas, uh, hep C, Huntington's disease, leukemia, skin tumors, methylacin-resistant, oh, MRSA. I'm not even going to try and say that one. Don't even. You guys are like, come on, keep going, keep going. You took this going, class. <laughs> yeah. 
No, just don't make her say it. MRSA, Parkinson's disease, um, puritis, PTSD, sickle cell disease, sleep apnea, and, uh, anorexia nervosa, and Tourette's syndrome. Um, and you be sure at the break, I will practice that. <laughs> um, and here's, here's an interesting question. I remember, again, 10-year-old book, Can Cannabis Cure Cancer? A study by um, uh, the University of Madrid found that chemicals in marijuana promote the death of brain cancer cells by essentially helping them feed upon themselves in a process called uh, autophagy. Uh, according to a 2007 study in the California Pacific Medical Center Research Institute, CBD may stop breast cancer from spreading throughout uh, the body. CBD might do it. All right, awesome stuff. All right, yeah. Here's a good question, and here, you know, this is this is always interesting to me because if you have, you know. The real plant right there in front of you that's proven all these things, even anecdotally, anecdotally. Why synthetic cannabis? Yeah, why synthetic cannabis? So yeah, you've got a you've got well, that looks like a nice a nice warehouse of, of weed growing. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't mind to have this warehouse of weed. Uh, so you got scientists looking at the weed, but then you got you know all these companies that are making different. Uh, chemical cannabis products. So here we go. Why synthetic cannabis? If cannabis has no medicinal value, why are pharmaceutical companies copying and tweaking <laughs> its active ingredients to make drugs they can patent? Um, Drenabinol, uh, Marinol, and um, Nabilone Sesamet are synthetic versions of Delta 9 THC, the main psychoactive ingredient in cannabis. Both drugs are FDA approved and available pipe prescription in the U.S. and internationally. Uh, until the patent expires and cheaper genetics become available, the average Marinol prescription costs $678 for a one-month supply of 10 milligram pills. So maybe since then that's gone down. Um, we're hoping that's a lot, you know, 700 bucks a month. Uh, but, you know, people's medications can cost them upwards of two, $3,000 a month. Uh, so that's, that's still too much. Um, let's see. Nabilone made by Eli Lilly costs $400 a bottle for 21 milligram capsules. The average dose is two milligrams a day. Ooh, this averages out to a bottle every 10 days for an annual cost of $14,600. Well, hopefully by now, uh, insurance will be paying for some of that stuff. I think that's coming soon. I think that's coming around the corner. GW Pharmaceuticals makes Sativex by liquefying and blending cannabis plants of known composition, uh, one THC dominant, one CBD dominant, to produce a standardized tincture. And according to the National Health Service of the United Kingdom, the price of Sativex uh, is 125 euro, whatever you, what is that, lira, euro, the little funny L-shaped thing. <laughs> Which symbol is that? It's European for 10 milliliters of vial, which for typical patent means approximately uh, amounts to $6,355 American money a year. Yeah, it's the funny little L-shaped thing. I, You know, it's been a while since I've been in school. I'm old. <laughs> I have gray hair now. I don't have to remember that crap anymore. <laughs> funny L-shaped thing. Yeah, that's it. Okay, now why not? This is a good one. Why not the whole plant and its derivatives? On this side... Of the picture, you've got a guy in a wheelchair, and he is tending to his very nicely grown, it must be an auto plant, because it's just perfect. It's right there. It looks like, you know, it's just short, stocky, right size, uh, just, it's perfect. And she's watering one, and he's pruning the other one, and it's just beautiful. Um, Why not the whole plant? Unlike Marinol and Sesame, which are single molecule uh, uh, medicines, the cannabis plant contains numerous helpful ingredients. In addition to cannabinoids, the plant produces flavonoids, the main constituents of plant pigments, and aromatic terpenoids, the main con- uh, constituents of essential oils that contribute to its healing effects both cumulatively and synergistically. Uh, Sativex provides the full complement of helpful ingredients, but patients must pay dearly for manufacture 
of a precisely standardized product. Growing your own plant can be much more economical, economical and rewarding, depending on your abilities and access to a garden. A, seam, a seed or clone uh, that typically costs 10 to $15 can produce anywhere from 50 grams to a kilogram of dried flowers. That's a lot. Uh, medical marijuana users' typical dose is one gram a day, approximately one ounce a month. A single plant can produce enough medicine for a year, which is why the pharmaceutical industry is opposed to legalizing cultivation. Although, we have it now. We can get our six plants. And uh, if you're not growing autos, you know, because they're not real plants, you should grow them because they're real plants. And they're real awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. I think we'll stop with this. A little hemp book there. We've got some fun things coming up. Tony the Tiger versus um, Michael Phelps. Yeah, that stoner guy. How many gold? How many gold medals? Doing down hits before every race. Jeez, right? Yeah, totally smart. Relax your muscles. Relax your mind. Get creative. Be the dolphin. I mean, that guy was like, win it, man. Making noises. <laughs> Having a good time. You know what we have a good time with? With. I'll be blazing and smoking it, about to go and get some munchies next Passing up on those cracker decks, Reese's Pizza's a wear it Gotta get me some soda pop, cotton mouth has been creeping up But can't remember where I put my keys, yeah, that's what's up I'ma take your grandpa's ride, I'ma take your grandpa's ride No, for real, ask your grandpa, can I take a 65? Seville cruising to my local Publix Nothing better than rolling with two super fly chicks They have frozen burritos, I bought frozen burritos I bought some Ben and Jerry's, and then I bought some Cheetos Hello, hello, my main man Obama A couple states have just reformed their laws on marijuana What you gonna do, send the feds there? Hell no, the DEA's would be like, aw, oh, they got volcanoes I'm gonna smoke some weed Only got twenty dollars in my pocket I'm a hunt, looking for a pot shop This is fucking know about the science of marijuana what you know about people suffering from glaucoma they need it they need it it helps them with their condition if you don't believe me then just ask some eye physicians thank your granddad for voting for that guy richard nixon is the president who made the plant illegal but science is now showing that it's medicine for people and the private sector fighting to keep all of that illegal alcohol and tobacco pharmaceutical prisons i'll take those four major lobby groups and fight those motherfuckers they're making money day and night all those motherfuckers and bribing congress out of sight all those motherfuckers They'd be like, oh, it's immoral and unhealthy I'm like, how many people are you making wealth? Anti-marijuana lobbies are making all kinds of profits And they don't want you to stop it because of all the special interests I call that getting swindled and pimped shit I call that getting tricked by the government That law's hella old So it's time to update it, regulate it, and then get it under state control Peak game, look into my political telescope Think it's gonna stay like this forever? Not hella won't Not hella won't Being a hypocrite, you used to smoke weed. I'm gonna smoke some weed. Only got twenty dollars in my pocket. I'm a hunt, looking for a pot shop. This is fucking awesome. Let's end the war on drugs. It's time to pull the plug. These special interest groups are nothing more than corporate thugs. Let's end the war on weed. The people have agreed. 
out there. Um, we just got reading, got done reading Hepate, and I think now we're going to read some news for you. Alabama advances bill to legal, legalize marijuana. Wow. You know, it's funny because you think all the states, no way, you know, Alabama. Wow. The world is growing. Alabama House of Representatives has voted in favor of the Compassionate Act SB 46. A bill that would qualify uh, would allow qualifying patients access to medical marijuana. This marks the first time the Alabama House has considered a medical cannabis bill. That's fantastic. Quote, passing the <clears throat> Compassion Act will allow seriously ill patients to finally get the relief they deserve, said the MPP. Quote, Alabama is one of only 14 states in the country that continues to criminalize the medical use of cannabis. And while this bill is more restrictive than is ideal, it is a dramatic improvement from the status quo and would improve the lives of thousands of, of Alabamians. I like it. We urge the Senate to swiftly concur with the uh, modified bill and Gover- Governor Ivey to sign it into law. Quote. While SB 46 was previously passed by the full Senate, the bill was amended in the House. The bill will need to return in the Senate for final consideration before it can be sent to the governor's desk. 36 states, including Arkansas, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, allow medical cannabis. And polling show has shown that Alabama voters overwhelmingly support it. Furthermore, uh, an April 2021 survey of Alabama doctors found that 70% of respondents uh, support allow medical cannabis. 70%, guys. That's a lot. That's a whole lot. There's no reason at this time. There's no reason in the whole world you can't find the research you want on whatever, whatever subject you want. It's out there. Look at uh, PubMed. You know, ask your ask your darn neighbor. Someone's grandma knows more than you do about weed right now. <laughs> Seriously. I'm not even kidding. I really, really do. Um, Cannabis Sustainability Symposium is coming to a virtual audience this week. That's awesome. I want to attend. I bet Dougie Fresh Fine will be there. Uh, the worldwide cannabis community will have the opportunity to explore trends in sustainable production and other uh, issues vital to the industry during the Cannabis Sustainability Symposium, which will be presented by a global audience this week. The event, uh, founded by the City of Denver Cannabis Sustainability Working Group, and the Cannabis Certification Council will be live May 20th and 21st, that's Thursday and Friday, featuring notable speakers from across the globe leading cutting-edge discussions on sustainability. Uh, The Cannabis Sustainability Symposium brings together top experts from around the world to discuss the cannabis industry's environmental challenges and best practices to manage them. The event aims to provide education on the latest tools, technologies, and techniques for efficient cannabis production while offering those attending the opportunity to develop new partnerships to advance sustainability initiatives. Now, an internationally recognized event, the symposium is a collaboration between the City of Denver and the CCC, the Cannabis Certification Council, a nonprofit focused on educating the cannabis industry and consumers about sustainable and quality practices. Last year's Cannabis Sustainability Symposium was held in October and included sessions on energy efficiency, social equity, sustainable packaging, carbon sequestration, water conservation, waste reduction, emerging technologies, and supply chain efficiency, among other topics. Uh, Throughout 2020 and 2021, the CCC produced a variety of virtual events, including the CSS series Happy Plants and sponsored Q&A sessions. Quote, building on the success of our online events through 2020 and 2021, 
uh, we are looking forward to virtually bringing together industry experts from uh, for the May Symposium, CCC Board Chair Ben Gelt said in a press release. Quote, sustainability is at the forefront of the industry's focus, and the symposium will shed light on best practices, biggest problems, and solutions for a sustainable future. Uh, as cannabis legalization continues to spread across the country and the world, interest in the environmental impact of the legal marijuana industry is coming under increasing uh, scrutiny. Uh, research from Colorado State University found that cannabis production creates more greenhouse gas emissions uh, than the state's uh, coal industry, and that growing an ounce of cannabis indoors can have the same environmental impact as burning 7 to 16 gallons of gas. Additionally, according to the information from New Frontier data, uh, indoor cannabis cultivation labs produce 25 times more carbon than outdoor grows and are 70 times more energy intensive than commercial office buildings. Mm, I wonder what kind of lights they're using. That sounds intense in there. Um, in addition to sustainable cannabis production, which I think that's why a lot of people are going LED now. They're trying to release it or uh, reduce that carbon footprint with like, you know, light that produces a lot of the similar spectrum but or maybe all the same spectrum but doesn't um produce the same energy output and doesn't take that much as much to grow yeah it's best to grow outdoors we know that uh, in addition to sustainable cannabis production the symposium will include events centered around other topics relevant to the industry including emerging markets social equity programs susan soros the ceo of the state of cannabis and a children's book author from California will be moderating a panel about cannabis events at the symposium. She believes that cannabis reform should include provisions that allow people to freely enjoy the plant. Quote, with, can, uh, with cannabis legalization coming online in so many states and countries, one thing really stands out to me as an important piece that is being missed is the opportunities to connect um, people and the plant. Thor said in an email to High Times, in many jurisdictions where cannabis is legal, there is no place to legally consume it. That makes no sense. Uh, quote, the cannabis culture is deep-rooted and needs to be given a chance to thrive, she added. Quote, by making cannabis consumption events and lounges uh, an important part of the legalization rollout, the culture will determine its success, not the suits that have never even consumed the beautiful plant. Now, in its sixth year, the 2021 Cannabis Sustainability Symposium kicks off on Thursday, May 20th at 11 a.m. Uh, MDT, continuing through 1.30 p.m. the following day. More information, including a schedule of events and a link to purchase tickets, is available online. And there's a click, there's a link here. Um, let's see. Let's see if they show who's going to be there. Do-do-do-do. Um, they do. All right. So here we go. We can find out some of the speakers that are going to be there and see if you're interested. Um, so uh, May 20th, there's a welcome from Adam Duke. And then uh, you have a conservation strategies for cannabis cultivators. And you've got uh, four speakers. Jackie uh, Riccio uh, is the executive director for Cannabis for Conservation. Mary Jane Oatman. Is that your real name, Mary Jane? Come on. Give us a second, Mary Jane. The Indigenous Cannabis Coalition founder, uh, Margaret Manter, California Department of Fish and Wildlife Senior Environmentalist uh, Scientist Specialist. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Wow. Uh, and Amanda Meltzer, uh, Farms, Inc., founder and president. So um, let's see. Anybody we know, there's, let's see, we've got Lessons for Cannabis from the Beverage Industry's Embrace of Sustainable Business Practices environmental um, impact uh, reports. Uh, and our buddy Marcello from Bev Canada last week definitely would probably be interested in that one. Uh, the importance of live events to help build a positive and welcoming uh, culture. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, of the Emerald Cup, the founder of the Emerald Cup will be there. The importance of women leadership in cannabis. Um, the founder of Banks, Carson uh, Humiston will be there. Jessica Steinberg, uh, founder of uh, Globe, the Global Sea, um, the Weed Blog co-owner Leah Moore, Morer, sorry, messing that all up. Waste is it just about the planet or bottom line? 
Um, so that sounds interesting. And then closing is Adam Duke again. Then Friday, there's a welcoming by Amy uh, Andrel from La Eagle Services, uh, co-founder. Um, let's see, growing resiliency in emerging markets and microdosing. There we go. That's an interesting one to me. Fall in line. That would be great. Yeah, because um, that's one thing we talk about uh, all the time, and that's something that I think every quote bud tender. I just hate that name, but every bud tender, every person who is serving cannabis, should really learn um, microdosing skills. Because seriously, quit telling grandma to eat half a candy bar, man. That's just wrong. 50 milligrams of THC and they're tripped out and they never want to try it again. Way to go, guys. Um, building businesses for good lessons for, uh, from lessons from business leaders that prioritize the plant and people while maximizing profit. All right. So that's a good one. There we go. Uh, interstate trade, a step towards a uh, sustainable supply chain. Uh, standout uh, social equity program states are proposing or implementing. Uh, Arizona has one coming up. There's going to be a social equity lottery ticket for dispensaries. I'm not sure how many. I think like 26 or something like that. I don't know that they're in any particular area. I think that they're just there. Um, and a closing by Nick Richards, Green Spooner LLP partner. There you have it, kids. Weekend pack full of it. So go check it out. It's always good to get some cannabis information. So we've also, speaking of cannabis information, we have been reading from um, Mr. Doug Fine's book, uh, American Hemp Farmer Adventures and Misadventures in the Cannabis Trade. And I think we should just continue a little bit as long as we got a little bit of time left. Let's see. We'll pump up that volume, pump up the volume. <laughs> I won't continue singing. Don't worry about it. All right. Doug Fine. And then he came out of retirement to work with us. It was win-win. When you're not obsessed with immediate profit, you can operate largely on belief in your mission. There you go. This is not the only time that karma has buoyed the FPS. Back in 2016, a jar of free hemp improved the quality of life of a couple's son. The husband was a food safety consultant and the wife was a food safety lab scientist. Together, they helped the FPS design its commercial kitchen operating procedure. That was $10,000 worth of consulting gratis, Genius said. In Venezuela, we have a saying, one hand washes the other, and together they wash the face. It's cooperation like that that keeps a fledgling co-op alive. And it all came from appreciation, not hostile takeovers. You can read the relief spreading across Genius' face at moments like this. This is a woman who considers bobsledders huddled wimps, not a fragile gal. But even as she worries if the co-op can transcend its current personnel crisis, she relishes the achievements on the entrepreneurial side. We both thought revenue would be the hard part for the FPS. Let's see that taught in biz school, karma investing. As a co-op, the FPS can't accept investment in exchange for shares of the enterprise, but it can accept in-kind services like the commercial kitchen consultation, as well as loans and friendly real estate exchanges. The result of good work combined with this kind of angel support is that phase two of the FPS, launching the producer cooperative with the aim of including more farmer members, is slated for mid-2020. I watched Eugenia in her office preparing to post the required notices for the expansion per Colorado co-op rules. This was a good sign moving forward with plans despite some internal issues. My work lately is all about increasing efficiency, Bill had told me as we were rooting cakeys. How do we harvest and process 100 pounds of flour in five hours? What do we charge for that? He's thinking ahead. If the FPS is ready with a game plan and membership increases as a result, so does the bottom line for farmers. To demonstrate how this is so, Bill ran the numbers for me. The farmer can process 4,000 pounds wet per acre with our genetics. That's two tons, which in drying and processing goes down to half a ton, and then again to 10% of that for a crude of 50 pounds. The next bit of math mandates deciding how much of that crude goes to wholesale and white labeling, 
and how much into free hemp and the rest of the expanding FPS value-added product line. CBD crude, as of this writing, is worth about $2,500 per kilo or $1,130 per pound. Producing those 50 pounds of crude per acre means a 2019 Fat Pig Society farmer's crop is potentially worth, before any value-added product, $56,500 per acre. That's assuming current wholesale prices hold, which, as we've been screaming, is a big assumption, though less so for organic products. Not too shabby, especially at 5 or 20 acres for farmers like the McDonough. The own sell side of the FES business is also a reliable source of cash flow. And, Eugenia told me, they're sticking with their long-standing anti-marketing policy for free hemp. It's only retailed by co-ops. And we still prefer to provide folks with a case to distribute to their friends and those in need of high levels of bioavailable CBD, Eugenia told me. I refer high CBD requests to the FPS all the time. As Susie's CBD treats Squire can attest, lives have been improved by the FPS harvest already. That's not a bad epitaph for a person or enterprise. Improved lives. For the long term, though, none of this matters unless the core social issues are resolved. I'm hoping the FPS members' grit, combined with the support of angels and cheerleaders, can see the co-op through these hard times. I am far from the only one who recognizes the stakes are too high for the enterprise to quit on the cusp of success. The FPS is a role model for the farmer-first renaissance. And boy, when it comes to both production and especially marketing, the members sure are following Dolly's advice to do things different. Different for now. I can't wait for the Fat Pig Society model to become mainstream. When it does, when a group of farmers and processors is willing to think beyond current quarter profits and into long-term prosperity, I bet it will compete with and even outperform the old big ag model. Maybe we really can have main streets again. So you want to be a hemp farmer. Have a compelling backstory. Before you leap into the hemp party, there's one more reality to keep in mind. The effort to establish independent regenerative hemp as the industry standard overlaps fortuitously with market demand across the consumer landscape for non-mass-produced, non-ultra-pasteurized, non-chemically-soaked products. That means millions of customers are looking for a reason to buy a craft product. More and more shoppers are becoming label readers. They're on to the junk options. The very word hemp carries with it, in the words of our favorite researchers, Ernest Small and David Marcus, products associated with environmentally friendly, sustainable production. In other words, hemp is already a healthy brand. This is priceless free marketing for regenerative entrepreneurs. You want your brand to enter the arena with a positive reputation. You don't want to work uphill to fix a problem, as you would if you were hawking asbestos. Here we see justification for what otherwise might seem the hopelessly idealistic attempt to take a crack at solving humanity's biggest problems while making a living. Once you realize that hemp is not just your product, but a lifestyle brand, you'll be off and running in the biomaterials renaissance. Whatever your story, tell it right on your bottle or accompanying literature. I cultivate hemp because. Hopefully, your early adopting base will digest the story behind their purchase rather than focus solely on the price tag. This enterprise backstory is what Michael Pollan calls supermarket pastoral. You know, the way you think the chickens who laid your free-range eggs are getting massages and profit-sharing. Your supermarket pastoral might be a strange cannabinoid ratio you stumbled upon in the feral ditchweed that has grown in your Nebraska yard for generations. It might be infusing your product with your grandmother's favorite essential oil. Maybe it's the low number of carbon miles embedded in your product or the large number of farming families your enterprise supports in style. Better still, brand the fact that you are the farmer. 
A key part of the game plan involves educating buyers about how important regenerative farming is to everyone's well-being in this new abnormal of climate chaos. Educating customers is key because our entry prices might have to be a bit higher than bottles of mixed CBD. Economists call this the first-to-market principle. I call it the non-poison surcharge. The hope is that it goes away when regenerative becomes the norm. My own supermarket pastoral messaging approach is including the phrase harvested without petroleum on the product label. Plus, I do this messaging on plant-based labels backed with the aforementioned non-toxic stickum. And I'm paying for them, let me tell you, nearly 50 cents per label at this stage of the game. Worth it, though, for earth and marketing reasons. It's generally a clever move to get creative with and then shout about the beneficial practices embedded in your very modus operandi. In fact, the best part about regenerative practices, after saving humanity, I mean, is that they feed your bottom line. If your supermarket pastoral elevator pitch is genuine and you execute it effectively enough to make a sale, you're likely to make it again. Once they experience how awesome your cereal, tincture, hair conditioner, or dog treat is, your now loyal customers will see that actually they are not paying more. They are paying for something different and better. Suddenly, they find they're not even mere customers. With their purchase, they're investing in the species future. With their awareness that, as Wild Bill says, farming is going to save us, they've become an active part of the regenerative economic pipeline. They are building their own communities. Chapter 16, Green Chili Hemp. Mm. Find out who you are and do it on purpose. Dolly Parton. Oh, excellent advice. Every U.S. state has an official bird, flower, and song. Only New Mexico has a state question, <laughs> red or green which refers to the flavor of chili you'd like on your chalupa or burrito. <laughs> we don't take this question lightly. You really do get asked in Land of Enchantment restaurants. I'm a green guy straight up. It's our built-in brand. In his hemp venture, my colleague Lou Siebinger was onto this immediately. He launched red and green product lines in Albuquerque back in 2013. Some Seabinger hemp products have famous hatch green chili in them, high in vitamin C. Chili has long been used in local poultices and tinctures. In our region's Turandarismo folk healing tradition, it is believed that chili helps increase circulation and that its capsaicinoids can be helpful for muscle relaxation or joint pain. When your field is harvested and your hemp heart or CBD product is processed and packaged, folks have to know about you. Whether you do 10,000, 100,000, or 10 million unit product runs, we're going to take a leap and presume you'd like to sell them. And so we delve into the world of branding and marketing. Believe it or not, these can be regenerative too. From what I've seen in the young industry, I'm convinced that it will help immensely with your value-added product marketing effort if you, like Luke, make your life easy. Find your built-in brand. Your most effective elevator pitch allows your product to sell itself because it's so clear, so obvious. And in the regenerative value-added space, it's part of you and your place. It's not just about having an effective supermarket pastoral backstory. It's demonstrating that you live it. Your bottle should explain in an instant why you and your surfing buddies, let's say, created a hemp-based sunscreen product and why it's your first choice to slather on your nose before heading out to catch a wave. It might be your family story, Going Legit Hemp, our first legal product after three generations of research. Might be your personal mission, Saving the Family Farm brand tincture. Maybe it's your everyman bottom line reality, Tuition hemp hearts, putting three kids through college while fighting climate change. I figure I've heard a charming backstory nearly every legitimate independent hemp product that's crossed my path. The strongest enterprises all have one. My own, obviously, is a small batch farm-to-table feel. 
Tanya Farman and Greg Necco at Hemp Northwest are motivated by a desire to rejuvenate a cucumber farming economy that left their Pacific Coast region for Asia a generation ago. Anything personal has appeal, but you probably couldn't live your brand more than Janelle Ralph, founder of Palmetto Harmony in Conway, South Carolina. Her CBD product line's supermarket pastoral is essentially, this product saved my daughter's life. Now, Janelle, 44, might not describe her daughter's rather remarkable health improvement story as her brand, but the beautiful 10-year-old Harmony's name is part of the company name, and everyone who knows the company's products follows Harmony's story. Her condition is called lysencephaly. It is characterized by both low brain activity and seizures, among other symptoms. Most children with Harmony's type 2 condition don't live past age 3 or 4. Harmony is now approaching her 11th birthday. When conventional treatment for her disability was doing more harm than good, I discovered that CBD helped, Janelle said. But at the time, in 2014, I couldn't get it for her reliably here in South Carolina. I had to start a company. My recent visit to Palmetto Harmony headquarters began with Janelle showing me Harmony's brain scan, a detailed mapping called a quantitative electroencephalogram. She pointed to shaded areas of activity that were inactive before her CBD regimen began. Her doctor said this latest scan is beyond what she is supposed to be capable of doing, short of divine intervention, Janelle said, waving the laminated sheet and speaking with a slight catch in her throat. The only catalysts for the improvement were adding CBD and removing 90% of the pharmaceuticals. Does she seem happier to you, I asked? Anytime I see Harmony, she seems pretty chill. Janelle, who is a pretty good friend of mine, shot me an, is the Pope Catholic look? <laughs> when you go from hundreds of seizures per day down to periods of a month with no seizures, no bad days, Yes, it clearly improves her quality of life. Palmetto Harmony now employs 27 people in South Carolina, including a greenhouse manager. The plants looked and smelled great when I strolled among them. They are certified organic. Best of all, this independent farmer entrepreneur controls her product throughout the value chain. All Palmetto Harmony product is produced on-site in a vertically integrated closed loop Harvested flowers go from greenhouse to processing room to bottles to customer. And the company owns its genetics in addition to the usual reasons for a very personal one. It's what works for Harmony. On the surface, this might give some hope to other parents of children with lysencephaly, but for families desperate for any promising avenue, the wise move is to work with a medical professional as every human body is distinct. Janelle's regimen for Harmony has been conducted with the explicit guidance and support of her doctor. For the producer, the key takeaway is to avoid the dangerous world of medical claims, even if your first two dozen customers have told you your product has saved their life. Just do good work, good media outreach, and let word of mouth kick in. Some entities that have not heeded this advice have garnered FDA attention. There's a lot to admire in the way Palmetto Harmony operates, but my favorite move the company made was to air the first nationally televised cannabis commercial, which you can find on Vimeo, in 2017. It was brilliantly conceived, focusing on wellness for veterans and seniors playing golf. Lots of American flags. Huh. My kind of messaging. Now, I don't claim to be a marketing expert. Thomas Ballack an Emerald Triangle Ganja Farmer Entrepreneur whose work I followed for a year in Too High to Fail is always reminding me that the lesson of Nike is to choose a short word, phrase, or symbol that means nothing to most people, which you transform into your own message. He chose comma tree for his sun-grown bread. Oh, no, sorry about that. Yep, choose something. It means something. Here. There you have it. Oh, I clap, but we don't have... Where are our sound effects? Oh, my gosh. There's always something going on with the sound effects machine. Thank you, guys, Colin, always for being there virtually. We love you. Um, all right. Thanks for listening to Weekday Wednesday. Uh, 
food for thought. It's uh, almost, it's almost summertime. So that's all. Put some sunscreen on and have a good time out there. That's all I have. That's all I got. Oh, happy Wednesday, Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Tumbleweeds Health Center, Studio C, Silver Sister, everyone on Grand Island, everyone on the planet, and the whole wide world listening. Cannabis Kid, where are you? We'll drag him in here one of these days. Have an awesome day. Be nice to each other. Remember, be smart, be safe, and educate, and smoke a lot of weed. Y'all need it. 220 days to Christmas. See, now you really need it. <laughs> Happy Wednesday, Wednesday, y'all.